Welcome to the Jesus Sex and Politics Podcast. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all those things that culture doesn't want to talk about. That'll scare you. Well, Nathan, it is the month of June, and you know what June is. It's the wedding month, isn't it, Micah? Uh, it is. It is the wedding. It's the month of uh, it's the month of love, marriage, and we can't forget it's the month where all the businesses change their their uh, it, profile pictures you mean to it's Sodom and Gomorrah month. <laughs> To rainbow, it's like the rainbow throws up on everything that we touch and own. There's so a ninety uh, <laughs> feet tall God, and he's colored rainbow. That's uh, there you go. Everybody so, bow down. Well, and I I think it's uh, it's fitting, and we have a I've got a good friend. I've known him for a few years. His name is David Lowry. He joins us in the studio today to talk just just about that issue. And Great it's amazing. Yeah, thank you for being here, David. Hey, thanks for having me today. And uh, you, you've got an amazing testimony, powerful story. You've got a book out there called Coming Out, Emerging from Shame and Confusion, Opening the Door to Light and Love. And God has taken you on a journey in your life. And I've read this. It's a great book. Um, the, the, you also own D.L. Uh, Lowry, or D.L., is it D.L. Lowry stu- uh, Salons, right? That's how Correct. you said Correct. Yep, yes. in, in Indianapolis. I'm not a salon guy. I, don't, I typically don't, don't hate me for this, but I go to sport clips. Uh, and <laughs> it's all right. Ten, okay. buck, ten bucks, I guess. Huh? <laughs> well, it's, it's got more expensive than ten bucks. It's like thirty bucks. I'm like thirty bucks. I know. By the time you leave a tip, I might as well Holy just. Cow, I sat down for seven minutes. I might as well just you know <laughs> go to DL Lowry uh, salons. But uh, no, I I I I've heard a lot of great things about your salons. I mean, the people, my wife, and other people who really care about their hair and their look. They're like, oh, that place is like. That place is good. So uh, whatever you've done there, I've never been there, but whatever you've done, it's working. So <laughs> thanks, bro. Well, the Lord has blessed it. So I, I tell, I give him the, the glory for that one. I love it. Amen. So tell us about your your testimony and and just the, your backstory a little bit. Well, I grew up in uh, Washington, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh. On Me too. What are you kidding? No. That's where I grew up. I grew up in Meadowlands. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, <laughs> did you grow up on a dairy farm? My grandfather owned a dairy farm. Well, no. wait, wait, wait. So no, he, he didn't <laughs> own it in Washington, but just an hour outside. But I, I mean, I know yeah. the dairy farm world. Yeah. So uh, we are on our fourth generation of the farm. It still, it still exists. My oldest brother still runs it. Doesn't run it as a dairy anymore, but uh, it's beef cattle now. But uh, yeah, we still have it. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you? I, well, I'm sorry. This is important. No, no it's Are not. you a Steelers oh my fan? Gosh, That's what here I we need go. To know. Yes, <laughs> unfortunately, a Pirates and the Steelers. I was embedded into me. I was branded. It's on the back. You're, you know, you have to be. You can't be anybody. But, there, yeah. there you go. Is there? There you go. What part of Pennsylvania do you go from being a Steelers fan to a Eagles fan? Like the where? losing part goes to the Eagles. <laughs> well, the not, one that's having not yard, recently yard sales on Lombardi's comes to our side. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's funny. but there's not a like a geographical location when you cross this city line like people tend to be more eagles fans like no, it, it, no, I, I just you just don't know too good many. judgment and those with bad judgment i don't know what else you want here go ahead washington pennsylvania washington yeah. pennsylvania and it's actually you know it's it was a small small town you know growing up on a farm you know you get pretty isolated you know, I grew up with two other brothers, and uh, I was the youngest of the crowd. I was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid, and everybody else was dark hair, and I was like the one that stuck out. So I was kind of, you know. But anyway, um, I had a grandfather that was the patriarch. He was a, 
he was uh he and i did not ever get along in life and uh um so we uh never uh really established any kind of relationship and for some unknown reason he really chose me to to be the to be the litter of the of the grandchildren and uh we went through a situation where he actually tried to shove me down a hay chute, which he did shove me down a hay chute one day in the summer, unloading hay and landed on a concrete and oh, uh, uh, it's about 15 feet down. And he can, I can still remember him just, you know, looking over the chute and laughing and thought that everything was funny. Of course, I was only 12, 13 years old wow. at the time. And so <clears throat> that really threw my um my boyhood into a different um situation of what what who i was and what i was and um i became the target of the community as the weak the weak boy and uh so many times and what i see in in culture today it's when when people pick out certain certain children and because just because they haven't uh, met up to the needs of the adults they kind of start hammering them down and uh, beating them down but anyway so i went through that that was a, that was a very that was the very beginning of my my identity issues that mm. i didn't really know who i was because uh, a male's identity is developed by a father and a grandfather not the mother mm-hmm. and so that was the confusions really started at that point um, sexual abuse started, neighborhood uh, uh, boys and farmhands, I started to experience sexual abuse. So my total identity was really, really messed up at that point. Um, the thing about um, sexual abuse that a lot of people don't understand, and they hate when I say this, but, you know, with sexual abuse, everyone experiences a certain amount of pleasure, a few seconds, and that's where the enemy really gets you in yeah, confusion wow. and starts believing why well, I, I, I enjoyed it. So it must have, that must be who I am. So, mm. so I went on to the, to, you know, school, graduated, got in the restaurant business. Um, you know, I did, did the dating thing, which that's what you're supposed to do. That was never, never really helped. I didn't ever really, <clears throat> felt secure in that and then um i ended up uh getting transferred out to indiana in the restaurant business and uh was fully by that time in a full-blown gay lifestyle mm-hmm. and uh what restaurant was it it was called the brown derby restaurant it was over yeah. over on the east side of town i think there's still one out, they're out of dayton ohio but um would, would any any correlation to the Brown Derby out in California? Cause, no, okay, no, no. All right. It was a it was a steakhouse, but um, how old were you at this time? Twenty two. Twenty two. So 2122, somewhere around there. So you know, at that point, you know, back then, you you didn't um, you had your sexual preference, you know. So my life my life was two different lives. One was the heterosexual world in the work field, and then behind the scenes in the, in the clothes stores were the gay lifestyle. So mm-hmm. you know you weren't allowed to you know do what you did, to, what people were allowed to do today on the streets and in public. But uh, so you know I had a I had a uh, um, what Rebecca called a, you know a roommate, a lover at that point, and uh, 
So, you know, I had tried to head to sexual world. I had gotten a girl pregnant. She went through an abortion at four months. It was a horrific situation for me. I didn't really understand abortion at that time. Um, to me, you know, we, were, we weren't told the truth of what really abortion really was. We were just told it was a tissue. It wasn't a life being. And I can mm-hmm. remember having to go to Philadelphia and um, is where she ended up in the service. And I went out there and she aborted the baby at four months because they, they were still experimenting at that time. It happened in, right after Roe versus Wade. And um, it was a drama experience for me to, to see to see witness that. And um, I'll never forget the Lord had told me after she came back from the room that uh, you just killed your son. And it was a voice that I, for the first time, I, I felt like the Lord, you know, was a, real, you know. I never, mm. I never really didn't believe in a God. I mean, I grew up in a church. I grew up in the Bible class, all that, but it was it didn't mean anything to me. I didn't really know a personal relationship with Jesus. But um, that voice never left me, and I kind of buried that really deep for many, many years. So I went on with uh, with the with my life, and I felt like the truth that with the heterosexual lifestyle, there was no truth there because of what had happened. And then um, I got heavily involved in gay lifestyle, and same thing happened with that. My lover at that time, you know, had a, had an affair, and it was like, wow, okay, where's, where's truth? Seemed to be no truth. And um, that's one thing that, you know, I tell people that don't, don't estimate the seeds that God plants in your life through when they're little. I remember my parents, you know, planted a lot of seeds. And um, even though they didn't, they didn't get to see the fruit of the seed, somebody else came along and watered them. Mm, and, that's uh, awesome. And uh, so there was there were definitely seeds that the Lord had planted in my life. And so we went on, and um, I started looking for truth. I started getting dissatisfied in restaurant business. It was a lot of work. You know, it was um, 2, 5 o'clock in the morning. You get home after closing down a restaurant, and it just seemed like a same thing over and over and over again so i started questioning about truth and i really questioned you know i was around 25 at that point questioning whether or not god was really real and somebody had suggested why don't you go into beauty business because you know i think you'd be really good you're you know decent looking guy and, and women would probably just flock to you and I'm doing I don't know anything about rest about the beauty <laughs> business. <laughs> I was I thought I can't do this. So anyway, I ended up in Carmel going to a beauty school, went up and had an interview and I'm like, well what the heck, I'll try it. And, and that's how, you know, I never never um disbelieved that God has his hand on his children because I ended up being in a beauty school, and my instructor was a born-again Christian. Wow. And she talked wow. about Jesus all the time, and I thought, she's crazy. <laughs> I thought, what is she talking to? Because Jesus, I knew, was up in heaven. I didn't hear her on a cross. And um, she kept talking to me about Jesus, never talked to me about you know my sin, never brought that up. 
day she brought a Bible in for me. And she said, I brought this for you. And I said, what is it? And she goes, um, it's a Bible. She goes, but I thought maybe you might want to read it. And I thought, okay. And um, of course, at that point, I was looking for truth. So I was wanting to know what life, what what mm. is life? You know, who who am I? And um, she told me one thing. She goes, do me one favor. She goes, when you start reading it, start in John, but ask the Lord, ask God to show you truth. Just do me that one thing. And I started reading the Bible. At night, I'd read it, and I, I couldn't put it down. It was like, it was like dessert. It was like, oh, my gosh. And um, I got to certain sections of the Bible, and I went, uh-oh, I don't like that part. And um, I kept reading it, and I really was seeing a lot of truth in the Bible and about who I was and who I wasn't being. And I, you know, a lot of the scriptures came to, came to point about being, you know, immorality and heaven and who gets to inherit it and who doesn't. And I was in that situation where um, I realized that maybe I wasn't going to inherit the kingdom. And um, I'd always thought I was a good guy. You know, I didn't steal. I didn't commit murder. What, you know, why wouldn't I get to go to heaven? But once I read the scriptures and I started seeing truth in the scriptures, truth, my truth became a false truth. And the scripture became the real truth to me. Mm. And then I um, I struggled with it because I didn't, I didn't, at that point, I didn't know where, where I was, who I was. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm like, how do, I don't have any idea how to change this mess that I'm in. And um, how do you get out of a relationship? How do you change work? All that stuff. So it's a real confusion at that time. And um, I started to, um, you know, really, you know, asking, asking the Lord, you know, ask Jesus into my life at that point. Um, I can remember the night I did. And, um, it's just like the veils were being ripped off mm. of my face and mm. uh, the truth was really being exposed. And I became very raw at that point. It was like, wow, I'm like, this is really real. And um, I experienced that. And I started, you know, looking around for opportunities to try to change. And of course, you know, how do you change your flesh when you've been when you fed it with so many lies and I decided to start watching TV and I became a TV uh, product of the 700 club. All right. Which um, <laughs> um, didn't Pat Robertson, didn't he just pass away? He just passed away. Yeah. yeah. He just, right. just passed away. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so I watched that and, you know, uh, the beautiful thing about my teacher was that she never once ever, ever, said anything about my gay lifestyle ever she only talked to me about jesus mm. so i tell people you know you don't need to point the finger at the sin just get them to jesus and let jesus take the rest of it that's great and the holy spirit so i remember one day i came home from uh, class and i was seeking the lord and you know thanking him and turned on the 700 club because i didn't have any church at that time and um, all of a sudden, I just, you know, the, the cylinder of light came down over me, and um, I started, you know, hearing 
voices and music like I'd never heard before. And um, all of a sudden, I started speaking in a language that I'd never. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Go, I didn't go to school for. And it's like, what the heck did this happen to me? And I was, I was like, it was the most amazing experience I'd ever had ever experienced. And um, I realized, didn't realize it at the time, I was scared. I didn't share it with anybody. I didn't even share it with my teacher. And um, she told me afterwards, she, I told, when I finally told her what happened, she goes, kid, she goes, that's just like Satan to keep it from everybody. She goes, you've just been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I still wasn't free from the gay lifestyle. And uh, yeah, Can we just hold on for some of our listeners just, just one second? So our theology is that you can't be baptized in the Holy Spirit unless you're first saved. And so here, even though you're not involved in a church, uh, you know, other than just watching TV and and whatnot, even though you didn't really have a, a, a community a, necessarily, yeah, yeah, community or somebody who is teaching you, the Holy Spirit is leading you into all truth because you're in the Word of God. And when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and that uh, that saves you. It's just that 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 experience cannot happen apart from salvation. So it goes back to your identity to say. No, you really are safe, David. Like, like you you couldn't have done this without it. And even though you might not have connected all those dots at that point, that's that's something that God uses in order to let us know that we are we're continuing to move forward in our walk with God. Yeah, I love to tell that story because that kind of breaks the um, the mold for a lot of what I call the. Religious right who doesn't you know you got to be perfect before you kind of know the Lord and uh, I was not even close to being perfect and but He showed me how much He loved me for Amen. that and He loved me right where I was at He did He knew my heart yeah He knew my flesh wasn't where I wanted it to be but He knew my heart that's awesome Amen and the heart was what the most is what He asked of us He doesn't ask for the rest He'll take care of the rest later down the road. And we get the church doesn't teach that, and it's sad. It, it makes me, uh, you know, people get rejected for maybe doing something not the right way that we think that they should be doing. But you know, only God truly knows the heart. That's we right. Don't, we don't. And um, He knew my heart, and uh, He gave me that gift. And I believe that gift was a, a gift to be able to move forward and and to keep climbing out of the yeah, praise the God. hold I was in. And. Um, Suicide started entering in because I was I was getting really depressed because I didn't have a church. I sought out I sought out several churches in the community for help. Nobody wanted to help me. You know, no, we don't we don't deal with that. We don't no, we don't you know, AIDS was big back then. Mm. Um, no, we, we were you know, you're too too close to to an AIDS you know, it was just it was just rejection after rejection after rejection and i call that the yellow page to air in my life and i remember what i would sit on the floor on mondays and i would call churches around the community to get, seek help and uh nobody would help me nobody wanted to even touch me i was like a leopard in their eyes so mm, and wow. i became very discouraged because i thought well, where's the love of christ at i thought the church was and uh it wasn't there for me and suicide became a really, you know, it's like 
entered in. It was a Satan thing, but, you know, um, I really became very discouraged about there. I mean, I'm never going to get free. I'm never going to be who Jesus wanted me to be. And um, so suicide was a thought. And I actually wrote a letter to Pat Robertson because I supported their club at that time. And uh, it was several, several weeks later, not knowing that, you know, what I would expect, but I came home and I opened up my mailbox and there was a letter and it said TB, TBN and I was like, what? So I was scared to death. I was shaking, opening the letter up and it was a seven-page typewritten letter from Pat Robertson personally. Wow, um, that's cool. And what, do you, uh, what do you say? He just gave me hope. He gave me contacts. He gave me hope. He said, you know, he, he, he just talked about the love of Christ and how much you know, people can change. And I thought at that point, that's when I was like, really praise God. If that man cared enough about this little farm boy being in the, you know, the TV program that he was in at that time, cared enough to write a typewritten letter. And it wasn't a stamped signature. It was his real, real signature. Praise God. Wow. And, um, I had an encounter with him later in, later in life, a few years later, so it was pretty cool. But, um, you know, I, I, at that point, I realized that Christianity was real. Amen. And, you know, whatever the church had done, as far as rejection, I, you know, I just put it aside, and I just stayed in the Word. I kept reading the Word and praying, and, mm. you know, I, at that point, I had left um, my lover at that time, um, I went to a group out in California, an ex-gay community group, for a conference, and um, I remember one of my clients, she she was a Catholic, but she loved the Lord, and she knew about my story, and I didn't have any money then, and she goes, well, I, I think you should go. I think the Lord wants you to go, and I'm going to take care of it all, and um I went out there to this uh, club, and I walked into the conference, and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. There's 150 other people here just like me, mm. um, struggling, trying to get out of, out of a lifestyle that they didn't want to be in anymore. Mm. And so I started with that, and um, I was on my own for a long time, uh, lived in an apartment by myself, and still didn't have a church, couldn't find anywhere, and finally... Um, Went to uh, a friend of mine said, "Why don't you try this church at Ninety First and College called Faith Missionary Church?" And I was like, "Okay." So I walked in for the very first Sunday and <clears throat> scared to death because I felt, you know, I had stamped on my forehead "gay," and uh, I would sit in the back row and uh, I would uh, listen to the sermon. The pastor was incredible, and I finally, you know reached out on one of the little note cards saying I need prayer with this issue. And the church co- church contacted me and um, ended up meeting with the pastor. His name was John Crocker, who just passed away two weeks ago. God bless him. And um, he uh, met with me and said, I don't know what or how I can help you, but I'll meet with you every Tuesday morning at Denny's at 7.30 if you want. And we met for over a year. Praise God. And uh, he was truly the uh, uh, minister of the love of Christ. And um, so, you know, that was the start of, of healing and of identity and 
knowing who God created me to be and realizing that I bought into all these lies about who I was and that's not who God created me to be. And um, once I realized that, you know, he created me to be a, you know, a man, he created me to be, you know, the, the sexual identity that I had was not true, you know, and I had to deal with the flesh that I was dealing with. The spirit was definitely telling me I needed to run, but the flesh was very hard to manage. And um, it becomes a situation where you don't understand how hard the flesh is. And scripturally, when you're young and you don't understand the, the viewpoint of who you are and your surroundings and you know, you, the support system was back then, you know, I became the golden child product of the church. All of a sudden, it was like, we've got one that came out of the gay lifestyle. And uh, I didn't realize it was happening, but it became a situation where people were, you know, so excited that there was somebody and I, and I became the new product for the church. And, uh, I didn't realize how that bothered me, but it, um, as much as I liked it, but I still didn't understand how church community work. I didn't understand the love of the people. And, um, I kind of backed down from that for a while, but I think sometimes that within the church, we get so caught up in trying to do the do's and the do's and the don'ts and that we really truly forgot the actual message that Jesus puts out for us and uh, the forgiveness, you know, the repentance. You know, true repentance is a 100% turn. A sorrow is not repentance. We run in so many people that they're, they're sorry that they've done something or whatever, but true repentance is what brings true healing. And I was truly repentant. I, I realized what I had, had been involved in was not what God wanted me to be involved in. And I think in today's culture, it's very difficult for people to even see that because of the acceptance and the knowledge that people have bought into saying that, well, that's who we are. We're to love each other. We're to love one another. That's what God has said. Well, that's true but we don't have to love the sin. And First John says, you know, you can't love the world and love me also. And, you know, I think that's where we're at today. We think in the world, in the culture we're in, we just have to be, accept every, everybody's, you know, belief system. And, well, I call it a BS system. And people go, what do you mean by BS? And I said, belief system. I was in the wrong belief system. And, you know, we have to be able to um, discern the truth and accept the truth for what it is. You don't have to reject people, but you have to, you know, Jesus, you know, he didn't, he didn't, you know, condone any sin. He just brought it to everybody's attention. And, you know, he came to, to break the, the, you know, the, the bondage that the church and the people were in, he came to free them. And, you know, the freedom that I received from him was a freedom that was painful, but yet changed me. It changed my mm. heart. It changed, changed how I looked at people. It changed how I, I loved people. And 
I, you know, I'm, you know, in today's world, it's very difficult for um, someone to share my story like me because not very many people even want to hear it, let them believe it. And, you know, uh, I went on and went on with my career, built my empire, as I call it. And, you know, I met a woman, got married, had um, three kids. I have three beautiful kids right now. Um, they're 21 and 24 and almost out of college, but, you know, but in 2010, the marriage had a crack in it and ended up getting uh, a divorce. And um, my mother died that year on Easter and got divorced in July, and my dad died the following Easter. Mm-hmm. So I lost the three most important people I loved and um, in one year. So depression hit again, and the enemy hit hard, and the lies started coming back again, saying, see, you weren't healed because you had that abortion, you, um, God's punishing you for that. You were in a gay lifestyle. God's punishing you for that. So I really had a misconception of who God really was because I knew who Jesus was. I knew about the Holy Spirit, but God, the Father, Mm. I had a different impact of him because of my grandfather. And that's how I looked at God. I felt like God was still judging me and holding a a cane over over his shoulder ready to whack me for just, disobedience so suicide entered again it came really close to succeeding and um, I called my pastor at that time and I said I'm done I can't do it anymore it's just too painful and he said okay fine he was kind of he wasn't a real warm and fuzzy kind of guy <laughs> he said okay fine <laughs> It was about eleven thirty at night. And he did not have the gift of mercy. No, which he, he did. I can relate to that. So uh. he did. He, he did, but he. Uh, you'd have to know him to understand it. But uh, we were close, and he said, "Well, that's fine. Go ahead. I know you got enough to take care of you in the house. But uh, if you do that, you're going to leave those three children with your ex-wife. Is that what, is that what you want to do?" And I was like, wow, it was a two-by-four hit me. I was like, whoa, <laughs> no, I, I can't do that. And I had never really thought about my children that much. It was all about thinking about me mm. and my pain and what pain I would leave them. And um, I repented and I prayed about it. And, you know, I moved forward and I never even thought about it again. It was wow. like, you know, I my whole my whole mindset shifted at that point. So after I, you know, realized that I had three kids I really needed to raise, and uh, they became my focus in life uh, after that. You know, the loss of my parents were, were great, but they had a great life. They got they were married for 63 years, and they were a model for me for, my, for a marriage that didn't work for me, but it worked for them. So um, I... Um, you know, continued to uh, I put I put everything forward to to my children and um, you know to raise them and I didn't get involved with anyone and uh, chose not to get involved with anyone. Um, you know, the sexual part of life was not that important to me anymore. It was more making sure my kids were raised as healthy as I could possibly raise them, and considering what had already happened to them. And um, you know. Um, did but they I know still, about your your past lifestyle? 
Well, no, but they did find out about it after I wrote the book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was in- they're like, oh, dad wrote a book. Cool. What the heck? <laughs> wow. Well, I kept praying for the concrete moment to tell them. And I was, I had to go to Italy for work and I was in Italy and phone rang at two in the morning. It was my daughter. And uh, well, actually it was my brother. And he goes, oh, you might want to call your daughter. And I said, she well, got the book. He said, well, she just got to finish reading your book. And I went, what? Oh my gosh. No. And the publishing company had sent a, the preview of the book to, to go over and she thought it was a book from Amazon for her for class. And, and she opened it. She opened it. So it was a long night for her. So wait, 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 wait. So I mean, <laughs> so here I am. Okay. Here I am across waters, not being with my daughter, and she's crying. And at the, it was so funny. At the, it wasn't funny, but I look back at it. It's kind of funny. But she said, "Well, at the end, she was well. Are you still gay, Dad?" And I said, did you read the book? <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, okay. <laughs> and never asked me anything about it again. That's hilarious. So uh, so how not to tell your kids tough things in life. Don't write a book about it and expect them just to read it. And uh... <laughs> Well, there's something here, though, that, that is so much about, I, I think, as a man. I don't know about how, how women feel, but I'm always trying to connect with my grandfather and you know i want to know my dad's stories there's a lot of actually what you've talked about that that in in terms of like getting to know god that's that's my own dad's story so there's part of us that really needs to know our parents story and then in and there's a lot of identity in where did they come from you know so i can imagine how difficult that would be for your daughter to hear that well it's important for for all of us to share your what what happens i mean i have i love my jewish clientele and i love i have a lot of jewish friends and i respect the teaching and the knowledge that they were embedded with what happened in the holocaust i mean that doesn't that's never left them Mm -hmm. they were told they were shown pictures they were you know that that's a that's a perfect example of knowledge of of your family to know what where you came from Mm -hmm. and you know it's important that my children will you know they they're young right now uh they'll get it later i didn't get it with my parents till later but you know i wish i'd have known more about my dad Mm -hmm. my dad was a very quiet man he was a very he was physically there but he was emotionally quiet i call it the quiet generation Mm mm-hmm and um, I had a great relationship with my mother, and that uh, it was, you know, you talk about God, and the tail end of my book is the best part. I always tell people, don't quit reading it to you to the end, because it's the best part. Mm. And it was my image of, of, of the Father, and I was still struggling, you know, with issues, and my friend said, I think you need to meet um, <clears throat> a friend of mine, and... Um, I said, for what? And she goes, well, I think she might be able to help you. And Mar- Martha Goldsmith was a former, you know, she was a former married to the mayor of Indy. And I said, I know her, but I don't need to meet her. And they said, no, I think you need to meet her. So we met. And she started talking to me a little bit about it. And she's an incredible 
believer in Christ. And she said, I think you need to meet Randy in Danville, Illinois, who runs a alcohol and drug addiction program for men in Danville. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I have been through so much. This is the last thing I want to do is go meet another counselor, you know, because at some point in counseling, you have to pick up your bootstraps and kind of do some of this work on your own mm-hmm. instead of relying on a pacifier all your life. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, let me think about it. So I prayed about it. And um, uh, I said, she goes, there's a banquet coming up. She goes, why don't you come with me and we'll drive over. And so I went to it and walked into the church and it was like, oh, it was an Anastopic church and walked in and there was this gray haired old lady and there was nobody there but me. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, you must be David. And I went, uh, yeah. <laughs> she goes, well, Randy's here at the house. Let me call him and tell me you're here. So the next thing I hear, I hear this big motorcycle coming up and pulls up beside the church and this guy gets off. He's got like two fingers missing out of his hand. It's like, I thought, oh my God. <laughs> so now at this point I'm scared because um, I'm two hours away from home. And he goes, hey, come on over. So we went over and went to the event and he had a beautiful wife and just, just so filled with Christ and and I told him I said you know I got a couple things I'm working I want to write this book but I said I have a couple things that I really want to get cleared up before I write it and I can't seem to get anywhere with it so I sent him my my graphs of my of my chapters that I he called me um, actually a week later and he goes I think I can help you so we started meeting on a, I would drive over every Monday for two hours for an hour meeting and he finally said, I think I know what your problem is. And I said, what? He said, it's your grandfather. And I said, it's my grandfather. I said, he's dead. He goes, exactly. And I said, well, I mean, I don't see that happening. He goes, well, you know what? Would you be willing to go back to the event in the barn when your grandfather shoved it down the hay chute? And I was like, Ugh, really? And this is where I get emotional, but. He brought his wife out, and we uh, sat out on the porch and at a lake, and um, he said, let's just pray and ask the Lord to take you back to where that event was. And um, I went, and I prayed, and uh, saw the elevator and hay chute going, hay bells, and then I could see him, my grandfather with his cane and straw hat, and I could see the, the cane coming at me and shoving me down the chute backwards and uh, um, I just, of course started crying because it was painful I hadn't, I hadn't looked at that for a long time and he said Randy said well do you see anything else and I said no I said I just see that event taking place and he said well let's go back into prayer again and let's ask the Lord to show you if there's anything else and um I did. And uh, he said, what do you see? And I said, there was like this cloud of haze underneath me laying on the concrete. Mm. He said, do you know what it is? And I said, no, I don't recognize it at all. And he said, um, ask God what that is. So I literally said, God, what is this? 
was a voice that was so strong. And he said, son, that's my hand. I caught, caught you. Wow. Or you would have died. And that freed me in such a way of knowing the love of the Father. It completely healed my relationship with the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit at yep. that point. Wow. And it's never, I mean, my viewpoint in God's love is so different than what it was. And I find it so difficult sometimes to think how you can be a Christian for so many years but have a false identity of who the Father really is mm. and how much he truly loves us and cares for us. And I, you know, that was such a healing process for me because it, it was finally for the first time I felt completed as a man mm. of knowing the Father loved me no matter what. Mm. And um, it was such a blessing. And, you know, I love sharing my story as painful sometimes it can be because the freedom that you can have and the freedom that you can walk in in Christ um, that you don't have to walk in into, into the, what you think you are, what the world says you are, you know, the, the freedoms that you, you can receive from the Holy Spirit and receive from Jesus is so, so much pure, so much more joyful, the joy that I have. Don't get me wrong, I, I, I struggle with stuff, yeah. I'm a human being. I mean, uh, I will always struggle with certain things. I don't struggle with homosexuality at all. But, you know, I struggle with other things of sometimes not liking somebody the way I should like them. But, you know, the the love of Christ is so beautiful yeah. that, you know, it can change your whole world and how you look at things. And it's sad today to see that what's happening in our culture with the transgender movement. And, you know, I tell people today that I don't know if I was trying to come out of the gay lifestyle today if I would, if I would make it. Because, you know, when I grew up, you heard things on TV saying, you know, you know, the alcoholics, the homosexuals. You you heard it behind the pulpit that, you know, you wouldn't inherit the kingdom of, of heaven. And now we have churches that embrace it, you know, embrace gay marriage. And it's so, such a lie from the pit of hell that, you know, I, I look at some leaders and I just go, you're, you're leading this flock straight into hell. Mm. And it's not to be messed with. It's, it, you know, people want to go, well, you're being judgmental. No, I'm not being judgmental. I'm telling you what the Bible says. It's not what I say. It's what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, the Bible's not a buffet table. You either take it all in and accept it or you don't. And, you know, I see the church today separating the Bible out of, you know, take what you want to hear and mm-hmm. don't, not what you don't want to hear. So, well, that's amazing, powerful, the, powerful. The uh, the experience that this this gentleman Randy walked you through, I've seen that in with, with uh, Nate in, with Nate Blouse. Yeah. We have a counselor here at the at the church that uh, that that we work with, but he he takes you back to the scene of your greatest wound, and yeah. then and then the beauty of it is just by being led by the Holy Spirit, you're. Sh- 
you're you're asking people keep keep looking keep looking just like exactly what he did with you and when you see jesus there you know a lot of people say oh there's there's jesus right there how did that happen you know it it all of a sudden takes your worst moment and can change it to where god was the greatest in your life because he was there you know right and um the healing god doesn't just want to heal you he also wants to heal your memories Right. of of things you know and that 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 was just amazing for you to share that yeah, well, with us yeah today. thank you that, that was really powerful and I, I hope that people will take advantage because there is that point where you got to do some work on you like there's you know we talk about taking people through freedom here at the church which goes into them with you know you got to Sometimes God takes you out of Egypt, but you got to get the Egypt out of you. You got to get that bondage and that slavery. The Lord has to cleanse that out of you. And some of you out there that are listening to this, you you're content with leaving it alone. But I would tell you that the Lord has way more for you if you'll do this. You know, let the Holy Spirit do the work, but He'll lead you, and He's and He's leading you into a whole into all truth. Your your heart, David, was so much about. Lord, show me the truth. And then at a, at a point, you, you just said it there, with your acceptance of the scriptures, and and if everything is undermining the Bible today, you know, you have an entire um, group of theologians that are telling you that when the Bible talks about this sin or that sin, and then they try to undermine that and say, well, that's just really about pedophilia over here. This has nothing to do with consenting adults. Like, it's it's the... There, there's a lot of things the church is doing right now where they're affirming people to stay stuck, right. to not be able to get to freedom. And, and, and I asked you a question just a little bit off air, um, but I want to ask it to you again now. What were the things that were grooming you towards believing that this was okay for whatever season and what is your spirit fighting with in that battle? Because I think a lot of people think that if we just tell people it's okay and that this is the way God made you and all this different stuff that you hear in many churches today, that they're helping people. Can you speak maybe a a little bit of a caution to that? Well, the sexual abuse was, you know, that was hidden. You know, my family never knew about it. I never had, I, I was never able to go and share that with anybody and so that was my secret and and because of that like i said passion and that the moment of of desires i was isolated into thinking what i was becoming so and then when i got more around gay people you know yes it was a grooming process it you know because they a lot of gay people wanted get a hold of a heterosexual and show them that they can be gay. And that is a lie from the pit of hell, really. But that's one of the motives. And, and I, I witnessed it. I was involved in in that lifestyle. And I, I, I mean, I'd be with gay people and we would laugh about a good-looking gay guy and go, let's get him, you know, let's see if we can turn him, you know, over on our side. A, a good-looking heterosexual guy. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know, I saw people work it. And, you know, so, yeah, there's the grooming process. But look at what's happening with our children and the grooming process of their confusion and confusion. And I want to say that again, confusion of their identity. 
you know, confusion is not from the Lord. Amen. There's nothing in the Bible that God says confusion. Confusion is strictly from the enemy. And when you're picking up the news, you're looking at what's happening in today's culture, it's all confusion. Yeah. And it's a lie. And it's, you know, people are accepting it, and it's not real. It's not true. It's not who you are. It's not who God created you to be. And, you know, I, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear that because it's like, well, my kid, you know, five years old thinks he's, you know, a girl or he thinks he's a boy. It's like, no, there's no way, you know, there's science doesn't prove that science, you know, you know, we're we're taught to believe in science, but yet when it comes to sexual identity, we can't believe in science anymore. (laughs) We have to believe in how we feel or how we think. That's right. You know, so there's lies right there. People aren't even listening to that. It's like, well, you know, I'm I'm a big believer in science, but science is proven. There's there's two people that are born. You're, you're born a male or a female, and that is biblical and that is science proven. You know, you you and you, you know, men can't have babies, and you know, so it's just you know, it's all a, a an attack on the family. And it's been going on for not just in the last few years, but it's been going on for a long time. And and I think too. David, you, you hit on it. It's an attack on identity, not just the family. It's all identity. And that's where the enemy recognizes if we know who we are in Christ Jesus, we will be the most powerful, effective warriors for truth in this earth. And the devil knows if he can confuse us in the natural, we're never going to know who we are in the, in the spiritual. Correct. And, you know, that, that's his whole goal. Yeah. I mean, look how, you know, look at the, the flood. I mean, God had to, to take out the world because Satan infected all the DNA of God's people except for Noah's family. And if he can take out the DNA, I mean, he, he hates you, he hates me, especially me now, but, you know, he hates women the most because they reproduce God's image. And people just don't understand that because his main goal was to take out the DNA of humanity in God's image because we are created in God's image. And he, you know, you know, when you look at, the, you know, you take the father out of the family, you, now, now the, the, the attack is on the children, you know, and destroy the family and there's nothing left for culture, you know, after that. So, you know, the, the identity of it is that that's his mission. That's his agenda. His agenda is to take out the DNA of God's people. You said uh, he hates women. I've never really kind of thought of it from that perspective because they reproduce. But uh, the pro-evangelium um, is, is the first. Is, yep, that's, is the picture. Yeah, t- 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 talk about that for a second. So it's the first theological thought in the in the Old Testament that tells us that God's going to restore the brokenness. It's when uh, it's it's a theological term for when. Um, the Lord is talking to the serpent and he says, you're, you know, you're going to strike his heel, but the seed of the woman is, is going to crush your head. It, it says that there is, there is going to be an answer to this. And so it's not the seed of man, you know, it's the seed of a woman. And, and that's typically not the way that things work in a patriarchal society. They don't talk about all the mothers. They talk about this father beget this son, who beget this son, who beget this son. Really what it's talking about is the virgin birth. It's the seed of the woman that's, right. that's going to turn around this whole situation. So from the very beginning, the devil hated women 
from that moment on, he recognized, I got to destroy women so that their seed cannot do what God had said it's going to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, ultimately it's the Christ that he's trying to stop from being, yeah. from being born. You know, you, you, you have infanticide, you yeah. have all of this. If you can't kill him before they come out of the womb, kill them after they come out of the womb. Yeah. We saw that with, with, with Pharaoh. We yep. saw that with Herod. Um, yep. This, this, this is death and destruction. And notice who the death and destruction was focused on in those two situations. Little boys. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It wasn't to kill the girls. Yep. At that point, it was to kill the seed that was the little boys. And, you know, you've said some powerful statements in here that I, I have a number of friends who have come through, come out of the lifestyle, and and they've shared real things that they, they feel like, this is what the church ought to know, but the church doesn't talk about these issues a whole lot. And, you know, they, they've kind of said, you know, it's it's about... The masculinity, masculinity is really passed on by other other men. Women don't really teach kids how to be masculine. Right. It's 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 you even mentioned some of the guys who had to come into your life. They were father figures in that moment. Pat, you know, Randy, Pat Robinson, yeah, you know, yeah, Randy, yeah. you know, your pastor. They, there were some men that had to speak some things to you. Yeah, and, and I, some of them I didn't like to hear in it, but it's true. <laughs> it's the truth. But, but hence what a father says, right? Yeah. We're, we, actually, this is going to air two days before Father's Day, yeah. right? We're yeah. coming into Father's Day weekend. But there's father's words that repair the brokenness. And father, and I think I think in today's world, I think I don't think men realize the power they have in a child's life. You know, uh, they they give up too much of their authority to the to the woman to take care of things that's right and you know when you look at like uh the black community and what they happened to the black community with the fatherhood you know i think it's 78 percent of all black families now don't even have a dad in their life you know and you look at the results of what's happened there and now you're seeing it within our within the um in our communities now with the breakdown of the family and dads don't realize it but you know scripturally men are going to be held accountable for their children's um what what's happened to their family whether they get divorced or whatever but even with the divorce the father is still responsible for those children and you know and how they're to be brought up, and God's given that scripturally how we're just supposed to do that. We're going to make mistakes, yes, but we can't give up on embedding them into, uh, pulling them into God's word and God's planting seeds in their life. You know, I look back at my life with hindsight, and I have a lot of hindsight in the book, but when I can look back at my entire life right now, I know at some point, and when I was a teenager, I probably answered an altar call in the church that I grew up in. But God had his hand on me the whole time. Amen. He, I was his child. I had just not repented yet. I had, hadn't found him. But God knew who I was. He, he, he knows every child that's born today. And he loves each and every one of them. And he has never, he never gave up on me. And when I look back at the whole big picture now later in life, you know, I could I could see God working. You know, I was supposed to go to Chicago from Pennsylvania originally, 
and that whole th- debacle got switched at the last minute. And I had already told everybody in my family that I was going to Chicago. I was going to, you know, I was going to hide out with my new lover in Chicago. And it all changed because he ended up going to back, taking a job at Muncie's. And I thought, well, how am I going to, you know, go back to my family and tell them I'm going to Indy now? But the reason why that changed was because God had his hand on me because he knew I was going to end up in a beauty school in front of a born-again believer who was going to lead me to the Lord. Yeah. You know, so when I look at those paths, you know, God, I always tell people, don't give up on your kid yet. I mean, God, just keep praying for him. And I know my parents, I know my mother was a prayer warrior. Yeah. And I know my grandmother was a prayer warrior. And, you know, and I was talking with somebody not long ago about the generations of prayers that haven't been answered, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we have to remember that, you know, God has a room f- uh, in heaven full of prayers that he hasn't answered that. And we don't know what our our past generations prayed for for us and for the future. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have a lot of hope for what, God's going to do with us here. And I, you know, I don't, you know, it's discouraging as it can be sometimes. I think that people just need to look at their lives a little bit deeper and, you know, they can't rely on, um, you have to get in the word. I mean, the word is the only thing that's going to change your heart. Well, and that's, that's exactly what it says, you know, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that happens by God's word. So many Christians, they don't read God's word, and I think they're so, not in the word. They're not reading. No, they're not reading the word, and they expect things to happen. You know, we're in a society that you know it didn't happen today, so it's not, not going to work. Well, I grew up. I you know I didn't come out of the gay lifestyle in two months. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's right. it, took, yeah, it, took, it took a long it time. It took a long time. Yeah, it took a long time to change my. It's the it's the seed. I love the principle of the seed. You said it at the very beginning. It was the, your parents planted that seed in your heart, and the word says, or the Bible says, the word of the Lord does not return void. And more than anything, God is showing me the principle of the of the seed and the harvest. And and I think yeah. that's true in everything in life. Yeah. Whether you're starting a business, whether you're raising a family, whether you're stewarding our nation in the political environment it starts with till buying a field tilling the field planting the seed waiting for the harvest collecting the harvest then redoing all of that and then you get a bigger harvest and then redoing that you get a bigger harvest it's this concept in america unfortunately we have that instant gratification culture where we want it now if it doesn't happen now we give up and and i think to your point david your testimony is just proof of this it's it's the seed was planted there was watering, there was there was tilling of the field, there was a harvest, and then there was a replanting of the seed, and then there was more harvest, and there was constant that that threshing floor idea where you would have the wheat being separated from the chaff, and you're 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 seeing God root out what shouldn't be there, and then taking the good, and then you 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 replant that, and and I just think in America we have got to get back to this idea of perseverance. Run, run that race with perseverance that is set before you, and and we've lost the perseverance. Yeah. In, well, in our culture. he calls himself the Lord of the Harvest. Yeah, right. He his his great concept from the beginning has been that you know the seed bears fruit from its own kind, right? And and the the principles of sowing and reaping are all there. I love that you brought this back to prayer because the storerooms of prayer. God exists outside of time. When we pray before him, 
maybe you're you're listening to this and you're saying, hey, I've been praying for someone. I I just I, I wonder, you know, I've, I've I've maybe quit praying or whatever. Just remember that prayers are ever before the Father. He he exists outside of time. He's he he can he can see all time in one moment. So prayers are never lost. They're 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 ever before him. Yeah, there's a whole room of them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you know, my favorite pa- passage in the scripture that that got me through was in Philippians three, and that's forgetting what's behind and pressing forward. Oh, it's powerful. And that was my go-to passage every time I'd get down, and you know, thinking I wasn't going to make it through, and it was just a perseverance that I that yeah. kept me going. You know, and finally God, you know, God wants us to do a little homework on our own too. He's just not going to hand everything to us as we might think. But, you know, you know, I didn't instantly get um, healed. You know, I don't know of very many people that have. I don't know if of all the years I've only known one man who was instantly healed from his lifestyle. But, you know, it's chipping away when you've been programmed to believe one thing. It was a whole deprogramming that I had to go through in my life to believe in what I where I'm at today. Yeah. And you know, it's like it's like anything else. If once you've believed a lie and you've believed it for so long and then you realize you discover that it's not true, you know, it's a real battle to to admit that you were fooled and you yeah. were duped. And yeah we don't want to think that we're that stupid and that we really are sheep and mm-hmm. you know he, he jesus is the shepherd and you know if you've been a sheep are kind of dumb if you grew up on a farm with sheep you kind of know how they were they're kind of dumb you know but here's the shepherd who reveals himself and says but you shall know the truth the and truth. the truth shall set you free. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's like you have to go and re-examine everything in light of the new revelation that you know, you I, I I really appreciate you reinforcing that idea that change is not always instantaneous. It is in the spiritual realm, but in the world we live in, it is a progression, right? God God doesn't build muscle overnight. It it takes a process. It takes you know, and and the Lord works in time. You said it, Micah, that you have to wait the season. You have to grow through the season. And people don't want to, they, 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 like you said, they want that instantaneous change, but God many times works in process. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So David, I, I don't want to cut you off here. I know we could probably go on uh, for, for many more hours talking about this because it's just, it's awesome. Your testimony is it's so tremendous. powerful, but, but I, I want to also give people a chance to know where they can find the book. And if they could reach out to you or if they have questions like, you know, do they have to, do they have to make a reservation and get their hair done? And then <laughs> they can talk, <laughs> they can talk about all this. Uh, so tell people where they can find the book and how they can get a hold of you. Uh, you can find the book on TBN's library is, uh, carries it. And it's also on amazon.com. It's called coming out, coming out by David Lowry. Uh, it's real easy to find. So, you know, it's, a. It's a powerful book, you know, and I never thought I'd ever write a book, but he told me that I was going to write a book and I had been prophesied that I was going to write a book. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm not <laughs> writing a book. I'm not putting that out on paper, but it's out on paper now. <laughs> so it takes a lot to put your 
put your whole life out on a piece of paper and send it out to the world. But it's awesome. It's okay. I'm doing it for his glory. And it's all for his glory. It's not it's Amen. not about me. It's really about what he can do for everybody. It's amazing. You can't can't uh, heal what you don't expose. Yeah. You know that's right. the, the Lord yeah. wants to and bring it to light because it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And the thing about it is, it, I hear, you know, people will poo-poo and they'll, they'll say things about me. And it's like, you know what? You can say whatever you want, but it's my story. Yeah. And you, you can't deny what God's done in my Amazing. life. And uh, he is a, he is a, he is the miracle worker. And uh, he he can do that for anybody that's listening today. Yeah, I just encourage God. anybody, no matter what you're involved in, whether it's be a sexual issue or drug issue, or family issues, he can heal all that stuff. Amen. Yeah. Amen. If you just reach out to him and cry out to him, he's not going to leave you. He's, he promises that. He's not going to leave us. He's always going to be with us. He'll always be at our side, whether we feel it or not sometimes. But he's never He's never disappointed me, and that's the beauty of having a relationship with Jesus. That um, It's uh, so special. I love it. Amen. Did you say people say mean things about you too? Yeah. So, me yeah. too. I know. Like, <laughs> what? I'm not alone. Oh, I, I, oh I, still, I, get, I still get accused. I'm still in the, I'm still gay. So that's okay. Cause I, well, I, I people get, call me way worse than that. So, uh, if that's all that they're saying about you, I'm like kind of jealous. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. I, I mean, it's just the enemy just trying to get you, you know, get you all riled up. But it's, you know, people say stupid stuff and sometimes people are just dumb. And uh, they just can't help themselves. Do you ever see that uh, viral video of that uh, sheep that's stuck in this ditch and this guy pulls the sheep out and the sheep is kind of like, oh, you can tell it's like excited and it starts prancing off and it goes down about another 20 yards and falls right back in the same ditch and gets stuck again. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like that's how dumb we are. (laughs) This is, this is, this is how Jesus has to watch out over us. And you know, sheep always turn around and look back. Yeah. Oh, I, no kidding. I never heard So that. the shepherd's always in front, but it, uh, if you're ever watching a herd of sheep, they're always turning around looking back. <laughs> no to kidding. See, to see if there's any danger. And we as human beings do the exact same thing. Wow. Interesting. We're always turning around looking back. Well, what, what are we, what's going to happen if I keep going forward? And, you know, I look back a lot. At, at times in my life when I thinking that I wasn't going to be able to, to get where I wanted to be, but I was just a sheep, you know. I was just doing what sheep do—dumb, fall over, lay on your back, die, and you know, mm. can't get up. But you know, Lord was always there. He was the shepherd that kept, awesome. kept pulling me through. Thy rod and thy staff—they come for me, and uh, I love it. What a powerful testimony! Yeah, thank hey, you, man, David. Thank you for so much so for much coming. I, I know that there's people right now that they're they're going through a lot of stuff with people in their life that they really love but they're they're unsure of really how to help them and i know that this word has been super encouraging because it's the it's the letter that you write it's the you know never trying to point your finger at the sin but just keep telling them about the love of jesus i get that i will say one thing before we close yeah people ask me when i speak and i go around the country and i speak at conferences well i have this granddaughter or my son or my daughter what can i do do what they did to me. Don't point your finger at the sin. Don't even bring it up. Keep keep bringing and praying them for Jesus and show them the love of Christ, because it's only going to be the love of Christ that's going to change their heart. By beating them over the head with a two by four of their sin will not help one bit. 
it's kind of like the sugar and the vinegar, you know. If you want to get somebody's attention, give them some sugar. Uh, you know, don't give them the vinegar, but, you know, Jesus is sugar, and he's the one that's going to be able to change them. You, you, we're, we're not we're not the changing people of the world. We're only the, the messenger. messenger yeah. I'm only the messenger of this message today, and it's not... You know, I'm not going to be able to change anybody's hearts out there today. It's only going to be through Christ. And if you're struggling out there, if you've got family members, which we all do, it's bringing them to the love of Christ. You know, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Keep, keep. you know, showing them the love of Christ. You know, don't, you don't have to, you know, bring it up that they're living with somebody. And, you know, we're in a culture, you know, we call ourselves Christians, but yet we're shacking up with our boyfriend, girlfriend too. So, I mean, it's a whole sexual immorality culture that we're in. It's just not a gay, gay issue. It's, it's a big thing and it's serious. And Bible, Bible talks about that. And, you know, it's, this, it's not something to be played with. We have to take our relationship very serious with Christ and, you know, the holiness and the righteousness is, is very important to him. We need to get people to the word though. Yep. I mean, when that lady gave you a Bible, wow. Yep. And, and, and you, you know, not liking what you were reading. We, we talk about how the gospel is offensive, but it's the gospel that can change you. Yep. Yeah. You know, it, the, the Lord was doing the work. He's a great teacher. He's the one that, 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 that's going to go after us and he's going to illuminate stuff. But you were in the word. And I think there's so many Christians today, they're afraid to get people to the Bible you know, dealing with this kind of stuff because because they think it's going to offend them. Well, they do get offended, but it's like it's I didn't I didn't create the word. The, the word was created by the God, and it's God's word. And you, like I said before, it's not a buffet. You don't get to pick and choose what what's in it. And you either buy the whole thing, or you don't. Yeah. And uh, and when I said you know when I would read the New Testament, I would I would pray, Lord, show me the truth. Mm. And whether I liked it or not, I didn't. There was a lot of stuff in there I didn't like. I, was like <laughs> wow. I mean, it was like, don't do this and don't do that. It's like, oh man, I, I, it was worse than having a parent. But, you know, it's just it. You come, you come to realize that. Do you really want to follow Jesus? Yeah. Do you, you know? want? Do you want freedom? That's the question. Are, are you are you in bondage? Do you want to be free? And it's freedom's hard. Freedom, freedom's, freedom's hard. It, and it, you know, I tell people, I said. You know, I get so many times, well, I'm a gay Christian. I went, well, you know what? You can't be a gay Christian. And I said, well, well, I believe in Jesus. I said, yeah, but you can't be a gay Christian because you you put gay first. Mm. Jesus says, follow me. So you have to follow Jesus first. I love that. Yes, you can be a Christian who struggles with gay issues behind you, but you don't put your your sexuality in front and then have Jesus. Great answer. I love that. It's a great answer. I tell people, you you know, and they don't like to hear that, but it's, it's true. I hear, hear it so much. Oh yeah, I'm a believer. I mean, you know, I'm, I, you know, but you can't because Jesus said, follow me first. And you, you put everything else behind you, whether it's your alcohol issues, your drug issues, your sexuality issues. Jesus is in front. Everything else that you're struggling with is behind you. Praise God. Love it. All right, well, Tremendous. Yeah, Coming Out by David Lowry is the book. You can get it on Amazon or TBN's website, and then uh, you can also uh, make an appointment to get your hair cut. I'm sure you do a great job, which I may have to do now. So, uh, you know. I hardly work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll, uh, is it, is it, is it going to be, how much, you don't have to give me the number, but how much more expensive than sport clips am I looking at here? So, <laughs> uh. 
it's kind of like an, if you just bought a cheap stock and it just it just skyrocketed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get to know. I'm going to uh, save up and then head over there. But no, I hear great things about what you're doing, David, and and uh, what keep a joy it up. To meet it, you, yeah, man. God so, bless you. Yes. Thank you for yep. coming yes. on today. Thanks for Follow me. us, uh, like us, Jesus, Sex, and Politics. Tell your friends and family about what's going on here. Nathan, you want to say anything? See ya. <laughs> Next That's time. Brilliant. Yeah, I know. That See was brilliant. Next time. We got always great <laughs> things to inspire you and keep you going after the Lord. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. See you next time.